Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon. Joining me from Austin, Texas, is the professor, the author of Sprawl Ball. It's Kirk Goldsberry. Hello, Kirk. Hello, Brian. It's great to see you here on this uh, this Halloween afternoon. I know it's not going to come out on Halloween, but happy Halloween to you. Yes, we have Halloween festivities planned later today. Um, I have moved on to going trick-or-treating with my son, and I leave the, the bucket or the bowl of uh, candy out on the porch. And I know that that's controversial, but I do it and I don't care what anybody says. Why, why is that controversial? Because people think that you shouldn't do that because kids will just come by and steal all the candy. I mean, what? So that's $5 you lost? I mean, listen, I told you, I'm not, I don't care. Because <laughs> I'm, that, I say that because I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, are you going, because you're going out? Is that why? Mark No, nah, because I just don't landscape? feel like opening the door. See, that's the way I feel too. A couple uh, of years ago on this podcast, I admitted I, I turned my light off and just, you know, it was before I was a parent. I just turned my light off. And I was admonished, admonished. So the light will be on, the bowl will be yeah. out there. Mr. Spears is joining us from Oakland. Yo, so since, we're he, couple- since, since your boy is uh, throwing up the horns, you know, I got a, I got my sound. They stayed on for my bachelor's. Going to put That's up right. the L, LSU <laughs> thing right there. You know, shout out to LSU was, too, man. Before the pod started, there was some mild... I wouldn't say smack talk, but there was some sizing up uh, for some SEC sizing up between no, Texas was, and LSU I, here. I, I gave him a compliment. I gave and I gave optimism. him a compliment. I'll tell I you one thing we can up. agree on. When LSU plays Texas in football, everybody has a good time. Yes, sir. <laughs> and the, the game in Baton Rouge got canceled because of COVID. So you guys got to come uh, out next time. We got to, man. I'll be there. Um, all right. So. A couple weeks into the season here, we're today we're going to talk about some underachieving teams and some overachieving teams. And I'm going to do something that's very anti-modern day media. Some would argue it's anti-ESPN, but you know, I try to zig when everybody else zags. We're going to talk about the overachieving teams first. We're not going to focus on the underachieving teams first. We're going to talk about the overachieving teams. And I want to start with a team that, as of right now, Monday afternoon, you know, we got games tonight, things could change, has the best record in the Western Conference, tied with the Suns for the best record in the Western Conference, the Portland Trailblazers. Five and one, Dame Lillard off to a tremendous start. Um, Their offseason maneuvers um, working out. So far, and they don't even have Gary Payton, who you think would give a, a boost to their defense, their perimeter defense, but he comes back from uh, injury. Spears, I know you've spent some time recently, or yeah. you, you saw him a little bit, and um, I know I've known Chauncey a long time. I know you know Chauncey Billups, their coach, even better than I do. Um, the Blazers were hoping for a quick turn, like sort of a one-year sort of uh, you know gap year with, with Damian having his surgery, and then quickly turning it around. I wasn't sure I a hundred percent agreed. They're going to be able to do that. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to, I don't think they're going to stay in the top spot all year, but you have to be impressed with the Blazers start to the season. Oh, very impressed. I was at the season opener. They played in Sacramento, which actually was a tough environment. A lot of excitement in Sacramento with new head coach, Mike Brown, and they came in and, and pulled one out. And Damon Lillard was amazing. 
and his uh his uh predecessor uh, i guess you could call him his um little mentee as you could say simons anthony simons he's been great um he's averaging 20 dame's averaging 31 uh, simons is basically filling the void left by cj mccollum and i had a story last week about how dame has been mentoring simons since the moment he walked in to the kid's credit he listens he's listening to everything that dame said taking it like a sponge and and doesn't question things he just asks questions and um he's uh dame said he's basically the earl watson and mo williams did that for him and he's doing that for simons um on another note i think that uh the jeremy grant pickup so far has been very great for them he, he, he hit a game winner for him one game already he's averaging about 16 points and the i know from talking to chauncey who I think should be coach of the month in the Western Conference. We'll find out tomorrow on, on uh, Tuesday. But he is raving about this kid, Shaden Sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kid is has a chance to be really, really special. Uh, I think Chauncey believes he's going to take off uh, in star fashion probably next season. But keep an eye on the young fella from Kentucky. Uh Kirk, what did you think when Anthony Simons got a hundred million in the offseason? <laughs> you know, he 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 put up a lot of numbers last year after Dame went down. Some of it was garbage time. Um, I mean, yeah. I certainly was I mean, I certainly thought they should sign him, but I was like, wow, a hundred million. That was a lot. You're a small market team. That's that's where things are going. A player like that, you got to overpay sometimes. I'm not sure that's gonna end up being an overpayment the way the cap is going and the way his skill set. It's taken off, like Spears just said. I mean, I think if you have a a, a core scoring duo of of Damian and, and Simons, offense is pretty much on lock. You're going to be a pretty good offense if you have Damian Lillard. The question in Portland for me, Brian, has always been on the other end of the court. Over the last three seasons, has been a bottom three defense each and every time. Uh, and I throw my hands up in the air when I look at their team building and they haven't addressed it. You mentioned my favorite acquisition of theirs already. He's not even playing. Uh, Gary Payton, if you talk to people around the Warriors, yeah. I know Spears knows this, they think the loss of Gary Payton hasn't gotten enough attention. They love that guy uh, yeah. and how how he brings so much to a defense especially. They haven't even had him, and as of our taping, they ranked ninth in the NBA in defense, which is excellent for them. Uh, it's a great early sign. Uh, and, and, and when they get Peyton there. If That's they can... stunning, quite frankly. Their, fi- their schedule's been a little favorable. They've had, I think, six, or I mean, four out of their six games have been at home, but that's yeah, stunning they... to see them in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. and they played, they've played LeBron, and they played uh, the Nuggets, you know, they played the Suns. These aren't these aren't cupcake early yeah. well, wins they've had. I don't, I don't know I if mean, I think the Lakers, hey, hey. <laughs> Lakers on there. But... <laughs> but anyway, don't take away from the larger point. If Chauncey and company can get a good defense here, Damian will have the offense going. That's a good team, period. I'm encouraged by what I've seen, but it's going to be the number to watch is the defensive efficiency. Yeah. And their bench. So the, I'm, I'm, I'm the a little, guy, little worried about their bench, too. So the Josh day. Hart. Josh Hart was really the the trade that they made to send away C.J. McCollum. Now, you know, McCollum was mentioned in a lot of big-time possible trades over the years. And when they actually made the trade, it, it, it might have been argued that it was a little bit underwhelming what they got for him. Um, and Josh Hart ends up really being the core player that they got. 
And Hart wasn't even clear whether they were going to pick up Harp's Harp's Harp <laughs> Hart's <laughs> option. Uh, his his contract wasn't guaranteed. Well, they did, and he's been terrific for them. He's starting at small forward, which again, I was like, wow. Josh Hart's a centerpiece of the trade. Josh Hart's your starting small forward. He's been terrific for them as a, as a high-level role player. His net rating when he's on the court per 100 possessions, the Blazers are outscoring the competition by 18 points so far. I mean, that's um, you know significantly more than even Dame is averaging out there. He has been a valuable player. He, he, uh, he's a very efficient player. He can defend a lot of different positions. That transaction at this moment is is paying off. Swapping out Simons for McCollum gives you comparable offense. He's not quite there yet, but he could. Um, and Josh Hart, the addition of Josh Hart, gives you a, a very formidable player. So um, Blazers he's averaging nine rebounds, by the way. Crazy, right? <laughs> he's like doing. He's shooting fifty. He's shooting fifty-two percent. He's averaging nine rebounds. He's only he's averaging ten points. I mean, he's not blowing anybody away, you know, scoring. But he he's which he doesn't stuff. need to on that team, right? He's you know he handles the ball a little bit. He averages four assists. Um, you know, doesn't turn the ball over that much. So anyway, uh, he's been really good. Um, definitely a team uh, that that uh, is overachieving. And hats off to him. Uh, we talked a little bit about the San Antonio Spurs last week um, on the pod. The Spurs are five and two. Um, this is a team that we, Kirk, would it have been fair to say that if you if you rank teams in terms of talent at the beginning of the year, they would rank in the bottom two or three as talent on their roster? Was that would that be fair to say? Or at least let me rephrase that: proven talent on their roster. I like the rephrasing. Proven talent, okay. probably bottom five, bottom 10 team. I think conservatively, that's fair. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they have just really played terrifically. Um, so, Keldon Johnson, and he's a guy who I've yeah. talked about, the the value of being early on, you know, we, we see these, guys, these teams haggle over these extensions mm-hmm. for, for these guys. The Spurs, said, look, we're going to sign Keldon Johnson. And they did it in July. He got four years, $74 million. Okay. Um, In his first seven games, he's averaging 24 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal and a half, shooting 44% on threes and taking nine of them a game. Uh, I didn't know he was that going to be that high of a of, of a efficiency three-point shooter on that volume um he's been awesome he is only 22 or 23 and they now have him on a spectacular contract um devin vassell there he's been he's missed some games um he was our first round pick in 2021 um he is shooting the ball very well uh we talked last week on the pod about Jakob Pertl. Pertl is having an excellent season. I should look at his plus minus. I didn't have that up. Doug McDermott hit seven threes against the Wolves on Sunday night. He's shooting 45% from three-point range. He's also the highest paid player on the team at $13 million. 
$13 million is their highest paid player in 2022. That's hard to do. Um, and Spears, you really like their rookie, Jeremy Sochan, um, who they took in the lottery last year. Um, what do you like about him? He's wearing 10 like Rodman in San Antonio. He looks like Rodman. He's got he's dye. His, he, 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 yeah, he changes his hair color. He keeps changing his hair color. He's a very eclectic kid. He's the most interesting rookie you'll find. Um, he likes going to museums. Um, he asked Pop to dinner, and then he's like 19, goes to dinner with Pop, and asks for a glass of wine, and Pop's like, nah, man. <laughs> It's, you can't drink and he's like oh man it's not a problem in europe like the dude dresses like a fashion model he he's a cool cat but he cares about defense more than he cares about offense and that's what i love about him is like role model is draymond green he wants to get under your skin he had one of the most beautiful steals i've seen where one minute he's guarding carl anthony towns next minute he's guarding anthony edwards he could guard all five positions and he picks Edwards up at half court. And Edwards is, you know, doing his crossover thing, trying to get by him. And and, and Jeremy uh, just, just snatches the ball away and goes in for a layup. Like, keep an eye on this kid, man. He, he's not going to score 1,000 points overnight, right? But defensively, he, he's special. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about just, just kind of watching – Somebody that loves defense coming to the league and also has some some uniqueness to him. So keep keep an eye on this kid. Kirk, there were some teams that uh, I think the Spurs took him like um, a oh, 12th. and he's a first starter since Duncan too, rookie starter. I forgot to mention that. Is that right? Now that's a good nugget that I hadn't heard. Yeah. Wow. They haven't had a rookie starter since Duncan, so that says a lot that Pop is trusting him like that this quick. Wow. Well, he went to school for a while in England. Yeah. Um, Arsenal so fan, got... by the way, Brian. Arsenal. Yes, sir. What? He's a gunner. He's a gunner. He's a gunner, Brian. Do you see that Spurs win? And I'm not, I'm not talking about the San Antonio Spurs. Do you see that Spurs no. win on Saturday, Spurs? Yeah, that's, that's all right. We won five to zero. We're in first place. <laughs> I know. Hey, <laughs> you know, in the Premier Kirk's League, like, first what place, in the hell? First place in October is kind of like first place in October in the NBA. Hey, when we're so bad, we'll take it. We've been bad for a while. We'll take it. Um, anyway, sorry, Kirk. Uh, there were uh, some teams. Yeah, so uh, Sohan is a uh, 6'9", um, combo forward. There were some teams that were trying. I'm trying to remember which which spot they took him at. Um, it eight, was like I believe. Or, was it eighth? Eight okay. sounds right to me. There yeah. were some teams that were trying to trade up for him, Kirk that really liked him. Um, he was a target in the draft and um, Spurs made their, have made their championships by drafting and they've had so a little bit of a mixed bag in recent years, but this ninth. looks like someone ninth. This looks like someone that's working out for them. Yeah. I mean, they love him. They loved him. Uh, I've been hurt. Somebody described it to me. Somebody from the team said he does everything well, except shoot. Uh, and the hope is they can build the shot. Uh, but Spears described him perfectly. I think he's he's way too cool for the Spurs. I say that lovingly, uh, but he's he's he does the dirty work and he takes pride in it. And that's very rare for a lottery pick uh, to come in and want to be deflecting balls, playing hard man to man D, taking the number one guy on the other team. Uh, and they're very excited about him. 
Uh, I am too. He's fun to watch, but yeah, he's just one of the reasons I think Keldon is a most improved player candidate. I love watching him. I started to notice his three point shooting numbers really start popping last season. He's continued that, you know, simply put, he's one of the best three point shooters in the league this year. Uh, and, and that's something I want to really drill down on. There's another name that hasn't come up that I think explains some of this in San Antonio. And that's Brett Brown, the long time. Yeah, yeah. It was back next to pop. And one place I've been told where you can see his impact, Brian is beyond the three point line last season, the Spurs, I think ranked 25th in the league in three point attempts per game. And this year they ranked ninth. That's a big departure from where pops teams have ranked in that category. We've already called out McDermott and Keldon and Vassell for shooting, but yeah, I'm told Brett Brown is, is really pushing them uh, in, in that regard too, offensively. And, and I think what we're seeing early from the Spurs is an above average offense that not many of us would have predicted uh, kind of an average to mediocre defense. And I think that's really where the team might slow down, but Yaka Pirtle is one of the best interior defenders in pro basketball period. For those of you who don't know, this guy's stats at the rim are comparable to the best guys you would see. You think Rudy Gobert probably a, a notch or two above him. But Jakob Pertl legitimately can be the anchor of a very good defense. I'm not sure we're going to see that this year in San Antonio. Uh, but there are some good young pieces here. And the thing that I think I've heard is that they really, really love each other. Uh, there's, 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 there's a lot of um, fun in the locker room, a lot of youthful energy. I'm not sure they're going to end up in the playoffs. But it's yeah. been a fun start in San Antonio. Can, so, can Trey, I add something on uh, yeah. go, go on what Kirk said? When I was in Minnesota, Minneapolis last week, um, Gorgie Ding had a, a charity event where he's raising money for a house uh, hospital he's building in Senegal. And uh, off night, um, about half his teammates came to it. Like on, on an off night, they came to the event and supported him and. Um, to Kirk's point, I think that says a lot about like Keldon Johnson was there, McDermott, uh, Jeremy was there. Um, says a lot about some of the chemistry that that amount of guys showed up. Um, I've, I've been to things like that, and other players are nowhere to be found. I went to Steph Curry's event, golf event. I, it, no other teammate was there, and I had Steph about. It. He's like, ah, it's late in all season. The guys are getting their last thing in, but which is probably true. But for, for them people to for those teammates to support uh Gorgie Dang was not to start a team that that shows you that they got pretty good chemistry there. Uh, speaking of Minneapolis, uh, Minneapolis native Trey Jones has pretty yeah, much yeah. moved into DeJounte Sorry. Murray's starting spot. Look good. And yeah. he's, you know, Kirk, to your point about um, <clears throat> sorry, to your point, Kirk, about uh, um, their shooting improvement. Um, he shot 19% on threes last year. He's shooting 38% this year. Now it was only seven games, but it's worth pointing out. Let me ask you this. The Spurs have a couple of very um, obvious trade candidates. One of them is Doug McDermott. Yes. Um, you know, a guy who shoots that percentage, who makes that salary. He's just a very strong trade candidate. The other is Jakob Pertl. So Jakob Pertl is limited in the kind of con- he's in the final year of his contract uh from what i am told the spurs discussed a contract extension with him but he's limited by how how much he can sign for and it's the same reason that they traded jante murray jante murray you know they did such a good job on the contract that you, it almost works against you because 
when you want to sign the player, the player wants more than you can give them because you're limited on how much of a raise you can give in an extension. And um, I believe Pirtle can sign an extension that can average $14 million a year. And that's pretty good money for him, but he thinks he can do better. And I, I don't blame him And the way he's playing. He probably can. So, you know, maybe the Spurs just get to the offseason and try to resign him, but he is headed for free agency. I mean, he could, he could reverse his course and take the extension offer. And I don't know exactly what they offered him. I know that the max they could offer him is 14.5 a year on average, 15 a year on average. And so, you know, uh, you know, he is a trade candidate. You know, Josh Richardson is a trade candidate. Uh, Richardson is shooting 45% on threes early in the season. Um, you know, they, they are positioned to, to get high, a high pick in the draft, Kirk. So um, their fans are loving it. They're off to a really good start. But I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I still, I think if you're, if you're a Spurs fan, what you maybe should be excited about is the value of these guys increasing i i like i'd want to i'd want to keep Pirtle, but but you know so these other guys i mean you kind of got a serious look at trading them right i mean you 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 know this is a nice start but it can't it's not really who they are am i off that on that yeah i think that's what everybody's thinking coming into the year i think they give it another week or two and, and really see what what they have before they start making these 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 decisions but you're exactly right josh richardson Jakob Pirtle, doug mcdermott these are the types of tradable pieces that can take a, a contending team over the top or make them even more competitive uh, in, in the playoffs, uh, and they're 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 attainable. And so I think the Spurs wouldn't be doing their jobs if they didn't consider a lot of these. They're definitely going to get phone calls on all of them, uh, and it remains to be seen where this team is at Thanksgiving and and after that. But I think you know the direction of this team as we get closer to Thanksgiving and Christmas will dictate. Uh, their team building and trading philosophies going in towards the deadline uh, in early 2023. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right. Another team that is uh, overachieving. We've actually talked about it on the pod a couple of times. I didn't expect it. The Utah Jazz keep winning. They're 5-2. and two. Um, They play a you know, very high spirited brand of basketball. Their fans are absolutely loving it. You know, one of the, you know, obviously what you want in the NBA is you want a championship contender, but one of the great things that can happen for a fan base and a team is to have an unexpected overachieving year. And, you know, the expectations for the jazz were pretty low this year. 
um, and, you know, kind of by design. And their fans are loving their start. They're loving that um, that they that they could, were going to be told to rebuild. But they do have some some veterans still left on the team, and those guys are playing well. Um, they're a top ten defensive team, which is what their reputation was for years. But they traded some of their best defenders, and their coach changed. But um, you know, we've talked about Lowry Markkinen playing really well. He's carried that over from the off season. Um, Jordan Clarkson's playing great. Kelly Olenek Spears is playing great. Yeah. Um, uh, this is another team that is going to have some decisions on trades. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think Conley is a difficult piece to trade because he's got some money guaranteed next year, but Clarkson is an interesting uh, piece. And Jared Vanderbilt, I think there'll be some interest. And Malik Beasley, yeah. who is has played a big role. He said a couple of big shots. Sexton season. will be better. Sexton will be better too. Yeah, Sexton, um, you know, he's, I, I will say this is interesting to me. They, they're bringing, they paid him $80 million and they're bringing him off the bench. That I think is his best role. Um, I thought that's where he should have been in Cleveland is, is, a, is, you know, sort of a Jordan Clarkson type player. Now he's on Clarkson's team, but um, you know, again, I, I don't think this team is designed to last, but you have to take your head, your uh, hat off to them, um, that, that Will Hardy has gotten them playing so well. Yeah. And the one thing we also got to give them credit for, like you mentioned, and I don't know if you have their strength of schedule so far, but like they want, they beat, uh, the nuggets, they've beaten Minnesota. They beat the Pelicans. And it's funny, their first loss was Houston, but they went back <laughs> and beat them. They beat uh they also beat the Grizzlies in their last game and and played the Grizzlies again tonight, maybe without John Morant, right? So um these are quality wins that they're getting. These are good wins. These aren't, you know, just like uh they got lucky on the schedule and pulling some stuff out. So I mean, like kudos to to their coach as well. Uh, I mentioned Chauncey Billups, but you know. Kudos to Hardy. He's done a great job with them because they, if you would have asked me, I would have thought that they would have won a game to maybe they played Houston, maybe, and being, you know, thinking about uh, that kid in France right now. So great start for Well, they Jack. still should be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they've played actually, according to some numbers I'm looking at, the 17th hardest or 13th easiest schedule so far. Now, part of it you're reacting to is expected because there's some teams that are underachieving that we're going to talk about in a minute yeah. um but uh you know but if you take those two rockets games out this probably be jump up much higher well it's interesting the rockets have played the hardest schedule so far yeah and part of the reason is they played the jazz twice yeah so like i said it's more expected strength of schedule you're talking about um than actual based on the hard numbers we still see some wild stuff early in the season when you look at numbers um, I had a friend of mine in the business who um, was saying to me today, why does everybody have to qualify everything by saying it's early? It's early. The fans know it's early. And I was like, well, because people keep receipts on things and you're trying That's to right. qualify everything. Uh -huh. But like the fans know it's October. They know it's not going to be the same way in February. I go, do they? Do they know? I mean, all, I mean, our podcast listeners are extremely savvy to listen to our pod, you know, several times a week in October, you have to be a very intelligent fan. So we don't, we don't have to say things like that here. I just want to throw in one other mention for coach of the month candidate in the West. You got the Chauncey 
Spears is lobbying for Chauncey. Will Hardy, obviously, Greg. What about the old man, Greg Popovich? Come on, yeah. the, the best record in the in the West. The old battle axe. <laughs> Give the guy. He looks like he's uh, Kirk. He looks like he's having a good time too. Doesn't he looks look coaching basketball spares. We know that, and I yeah. think he does feed off the energetic sort of youth base that San Antonio yeah. has now. So I, I think that's fair, especially when they're winning. They're not supposed to be yeah. winning. That's the, the most fun you can have as a coach, I think. Yeah, because he, he typically looks like he's having a coronary, right? <laughs> but he looks now like I remember Nelly, Zion Nelson, at the end of his career when he was uh, probably chasing the win record, right, um, asking him why he – why he wanted to coach and he said uh cold hard cash baby those, those were his exact words on God, the record I love Nelly. and uh miss deli right um but but for pop i'm like what else is he gonna do like, first <laughs> off for, let me just take a little don nelson detour here i don't i did not know i do not know him well but character number one, one he like <clears throat> for decades was buying up property in maui like at one point, I think he owned like five or six or seven houses in Maui. Number one, think about that. Number two, I remember one of his last years of the Warriors, he was at a shoot around and he, he was like, yeah, I don't really coach the players anymore. And I was like, come again. He's like, I just kind of coach the coaches. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and the shoot around was ending. He went over to the uh, to the to a trash can. And he pulled out this cigar, this bag of um, plastic bag filled with cigars. And he was pulling out these cigars and he was smelling them. And he was looking at them, and then he'd like throw in the trash. And he he was he had like seven or eight, and he got three that he liked. And he put those three in a holder, and he put them in uh, in his coat pocket. And he uh, picked up his lighter, and he goes, "Bus is leaving." There were guys like out there still shooting, you know, still getting their work in. And, you know, nowadays there's like these teams have like three buses, you know, that go back and forth. There was one bus in that time. And he's like, buses leave him. He, he was going to go have, he had his afternoon planned out. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, I remember Steven Jackson telling the story about how before the opening night of the season or shortly before the opening night of the season, he, he invited him out to a barbecue joint and like got him drunk. Like Nelly was ordering the beers, you know, getting Steven Jackson drunk, like right before the start of the season. Like the Nelly, guy is a legend. Nelly had this um on Lake Merritt in Oakland. He was staying on the penthouse of this uh, uh very expensive condo that has valet. You know your condo is expensive if you have valet in your condo, right? And well, in at, Oakland. You know, yeah. no offense to you, Spears. In Oakland, yes. Yeah, yeah it's expensive. Um so because of like the state ordinance of no smoking indoors he like built on this condo on the rooftop a special cigar lounge under roofs to, to go across, go you know uh, through the laws and, and do it in his own place and be be uh compliant so he he built a cigar room on the rooftop of this condo god Guys, you know, the guy is a legend. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, a team that wasn't on our list. Um, well, by the way, now there's going to be some um, there's going to be some drama is when the coach of the month come out in the next couple of days. Yeah, I want to see. Well, at least the West one's going to be interesting, right? 
Yeah. Well, so I didn't have this team on the underachieving list and Goldsberry was like, wait a minute. What about the Cleveland Cavaliers? Five and one, five straight wins. By the way, I don't actually think there's a, they, they announce a, um, uh, a coach of the year for uh, for October. They wait and they do an October. Oh, November, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Sorry, what did I say, Kirk? Did I say underachievers? Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we had that right. Nobody thinks they're My mistake. Too much yeah. was going on in my head. It happens. The listeners <laughs> happens, know. folks. I, I, I said, Kirk said, what about the Cavs? They're five and one. And I was like, well, um, is that overachieving? And he said, you know, the analytics, well, you, Kirk, you're the analytics you showed me and the sports books had them, you know, uh, and I think Pelton's, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but Pelton had him finishing like eighth or ninth. Yeah. I think I'm just going off of a post I made on Instagram before the, um, before the season where I posted the over-unders, uh, from Caesar Sportsbook, and, and the Cavs were supposed to be one game over. I think that would be like 41 and a half or whatever in Vegas terms. Uh, they look a lot better than that. And I, I've and said that that post, I'm not a gambling guy, but if I had one bet on these over-unders, it would be the Cleveland over. Uh, and and I said that because last year I was really impressed, starting with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. In that defense, Brian, the defense looked like the best or top two or three in the NBA when they were all healthy. Uh, it was sort of derailed there by injuries late in the season, but they looked nasty. Uh, and then, of course, I was already I was already in, uh, and then they add Donovan Mitchell, who couldn't have had a better start uh, to this season, and he looks like a scoring title contender, and he gives this team exactly what they didn't have in late game situations last year, which is a dude who can take the steering wheel in clutch time and go get a bucket, uh, and he's been outstanding, and it looks like you know there's always a little uncertainty with these chemistries of these new teams. It looks like through the first six games that they are meshing very well credit to the coaching staff. But if everybody stays healthy, look, I think they're a legitimate finals contender. I, I mm. think they could win the Eastern conference. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't think I'd pick them to win the East, but that's how much respect I have for them on both sides of the court right now. Uh, and I'd love to hear what you guys think, but I think the Donovan Mitchell acquisition is is one of the best acquisitions we've seen in the league in recent years. And then keep in mind too that Darius Garland's been out. He played only, he played 13 minutes of the first game and hurt his eye. Yeah. Hurt eye poke, man. And so I mean this is their number 2 star, right? Or maybe 3 star. Like they they got three courses they could go to. My my concern with them is small forward. Like who who's going to be the guy there? Um I'm 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 a little worried about uh I mean is is uh, how you say Seti? Chetty 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 like is he gonna be the guy? Levert, is he Levert I expected put more up from some numbers. Him, yeah. You know, and and but he hasn't like after he's come back from the injuries, he hasn't been sensational. Like we we've seen him be sensational. So I mean, if 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 Levert picks up, Garland comes back. To, I mean, they're going to be better. Um, I love what Kevin Love is doing off the bench, right? Um, could Kevin Love be a six-man-of-the-year candidate? Probably have to average more points, but I, I, I do really like their team. And, and J.B. Bickerstaff, man, he's just kind of on the grindstone, doesn't really 
hasn't really had a big big breakthrough yet. This might be finally him uh, putting himself on the on the NBA stage as a you know a coach to be be respected. Okay, so you guys know this is the team that I have followed closely throughout my career through your life. I don't want to you know talk about them too much. Um, they rank third in third in defense, fifth in offense uh, so far. I learned from Goldsberry's um, uh, chart graphic. What, what do you want to call that? That you tweeted. Oh, out we call day. it the efficiency landscape, Brian. It the has efficiency an landscape. Moniker, uh, a registered trademark. Respect. Um, <laughs> they were first that time. Now they've slipped to second. Um, they they had a terrific win in Boston last Friday, where Karis LeVert put in forty one. 41 mm-hmm. in Boston. That was a game, by the way, that both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum played really well. And they took the punch to the to the gut and uh and just overcame it. And you know, <clears throat> on the road in Boston. Now, now now the Celtics are without um uh, Robert Williams, but still it was impressive. Cavs were without Darius Garland. Yeah. Levert scored 41 on Friday and yeah. one on Sunday. One <laughs> That's point. Him. Um, he's the Jared new Jeff Allen. Green. He's the new Jeff Green. <laughs> right. 20, 20.5 points per game for two games. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's all you need yeah. to know. Uh, Jared Allen is an absolute beast defensively on the interior. He just, the, the ball comes in there and he swallows. Who did it. the Nets get for him again? Well, he was in the James Harden trade. Um, <sighs> they got a first round pick for him. The Cavs traded the Milwaukee Bucks pick, which I think ended up. 28th or something yeah. like that uh, for him. Um, Dean Wade, um, he is going to be their starting small forward for the foreseeable future. He's not an impressive physically specimen guy, but he's got good size. And, you know, this is preposterous early number. He's shooting 63% on threes. Now, that's obviously going to come way down, but he's a three and D type guy and he works very hard. Um, they have Isaac Okoro, who is looking like he's one of the worst offensive players in the NBA. Um, he, his offensive rating, um, Kirk, you want to take a guess at what, you know, th- talk about the efficiency landscape. I, I, I got a feeling that Isaac Okoro on an offensive scale would, would go on the bottom left-hand corner. Um, what do you say, think his offensive rating is? Well, the league average, I think, is chalking in around 111. And I'm going to be nice. I'll just say 111, Brian. What do you got for me? I mean, this is obviously a, a bit of a, a skewed outlier because it's early in the season. It's 51. Okay. Okay. Mm. 51. So it's kind of hard to put him out there. You know, he, he defends very well. Um. But, you know, he, you know, so that position now, now Jenny Osmond has shot the ball while he's had a couple of good games. Um, Evan Mobley is, um, we haven't shooting even the ball Willie yet, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he is, he had an ankle injury in preseason and I think it's affected him a little bit. And he looked like he tweaked it in like the second or third game. He has not been that great yet. Um, he's been okay. Uh, he's had great moments, especially defensively. But he hasn't shown the kind of offensive development that you'd like to see. Um, and, you know, the big concern with any 
Donovan Mitchell team is can he create shots under pressure in close games? Um, and that's where you need Mobley to really develop. And so that'll that'll be determined as the season goes along. But um, they always look great. And, you know, they've got a little teeny trump card in their pocket, and that's that Ricky Rubio is going to join them that's at some point. Um, and Rubio was extremely valuable to this team last year. And, you know, I don't know how well he'll move defensively, but he's a guy who also defends and a real yeah. quarterback on the court. So it's another um, piece, man. Another it's piece. another perfect piece, right? Spears, just one of yeah. those guys you can plug into a rotation, play 30 minutes one night, 10 another night. I don't know. What no ego. Yeah. No ego. Just what do you need me to do, coach? Great shot creator, too, if they, yeah. need, and, if they need that. And they're even getting like really good, a really good few minutes every game from Robin Lopez, their backup center, who is shooting 83% so far this season. 83%. Moondog. The real moon doll. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> now we got to talk about some of the teams that are underachieving. Uh, um, so it's so, so positive. I know. So positive. We've taken up most of our time with the overachievers. So we probably ought to have to, to go through the underachievers a little bit more um, efficiently, so to speak. Um, the, I, want to, I want to start with the Clippers. The Clippers have lost four games in a row. Now, Kawhi is – no one seems to be talking about this. Everybody targets the other team that plays in the building. The Clippers are 29th on offense. Mm -hmm. And Kawhi uh, has missed three games in a row and actually left a road trip early to come home because his knee was, quote-unquote, tight. And he's out tonight. Um, yeah, they play tonight. Obviously, when we do this podcast, we're always in danger of being behind. They're four and yeah. zero coming into tonight. Who are they playing? Washington tonight? Who are they playing? Uh, They're playing Houston tonight. So it's kind of a get well um, opportunity. They could probably score 135 tonight and blow up what I just said. But like their situation is that they are really deep, and. One of the one of the criticisms that I have sort of heard from people about the Clippers is, yeah, they got all of these guys, but they're just guys. What that they mean by that is, they haven't shown an identity of how to play together, um, and that's been a criticism that's happened since Kawhi and Paul George got to the Clippers, and it was kind of a criticism because that last team before PG. And Kawhi got there was that really scrappy team that, you know, that uh, Pat Beverly and Montrez Harrell were on and they um, would just outwork everybody. And like they fought their way into like the seven or eight seed and they like took a game or two off the Warriors in the playoffs. And they were really fun to watch. And like you knew what they were going to do. Their identity was scrappy, uh, limited talent, but, you know, well coached and, and all that stuff. The Clippers in the last few years haven't had an identity. And here we are again this year, early in the season. Kawhi is missing games. No one seems to be talking about it, but it is worrisome that, uh, you know, a year and a half off of his knee, he is doesn't feel comfortable enough to start and is now missing more games. I mean, like, how can you – I mean, I'm sure he probably will be fine, but how can you make any assumptions with that? You know, they can't score. Um, Ty Lue has um, been complaining about them. Spears, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be fine, but like we can't rip the Lakers and then totally ignore the Clippers who have way yeah. more talent 
are underachieving arguably as much. No, I mean, um, the Kawhi thing is the reason why I didn't jump on the bus before the season. I just, you know, all our brethren, you know, I'm, I don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head if you guys did. I don't predict. Yeah, that's right. Uh, predicted the Clippers to go to the finals, which you know, hey, like this is early. I got to remind this is early, but I just don't trust Kawhi's body. I know he's a super talented player. Um, he just hasn't been on the floor since he left the Raptors, and I just, um, I mean. Now we're seeing this early after all this time off that, you know, he's, he's, he's missing games. And so how do you build that chemistry with the rest of your teammates when you're, you're constantly out? And it's such a different team when he's in and when he's out. One thing I do worry about the Clippers is this, like there's so many guys that want to play and it has to be really, really difficult for Ty Lue to figure out a rotation. So, I mean, like, look at their guards and their small forwards, right? You got Paul George, John Wall, uh, Powell, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Coffey, Boston Jr. Like, all these guys want minutes. And I I was told um, that there was a vet who sat down with one of their young guys recently and just told him to say, like, man, hey, stay patient. Stay with us. Stay patient. I know you're frustrated that you're not playing, but stay, stay patient. So I just, I just, I, I know there's like players looking at other teams, like, man, I could probably play there. Like I'm just, you know, playing ten minutes here and rotting away here. So yeah, they have a deep roster, but it's, meanwhile, a bunch of their veterans are missing all kinds of games. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> you know? I I, I I just wonder about the chemistry there. I wonder about the patience of the young guys. Um, will Kawhi be back? Like, I, I just never bought in that this was like going to be as easy as they were projected to be. Um, uh, because there's there's so much unknown about whether Kawhi is going to be on the floor, and they just have so many guys that play the same position and. And when you got young guys, they're not, they don't want to be patient. They're ready to play, man. They're ready to get their opportunity. So it, it's hard to keep telling young guys to, to wait for their turn. And that, that's a problem that the Clippers have. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burke, you have any commentary on the Los Angeles Clippers? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I got a bunch. I think there's sort of this qualitative analysis that they don't have a leader. They don't have leadership. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for Ty Lue as a coach, but I'm talking about on the court. I think the pairing of Kawhi and Paul George is a pairing of two guys that really have not been natural leaders throughout their impressive careers. When Kawhi run in San, when San Antonio, obviously there was leaders all over the court. When he won in Toronto, he had Kyle Lowry and, and Marcus Gasol there. And, and I, I don't I don't see that similar type of presence there. Um, I get paid to look at numbers, though. 
And I'll tell you, when I look at this team's numbers, this team can't score it. You already pointed out, but it's why they can't score it that I think is a little more interesting. They turn it over more than anybody else in the league. They're averaging 21 assists and 18 turnovers per game. They own the the worst assist to turnover ratio in the NBA. That's a bad sign, but it also points to the fact that they don't have enough playmaking. Reggie Jackson, John Wall haven't been effective running pick and roll actions for them. But for me, it's Paul George who's been the most disappointing. He's currently like scoring fewer points than I think Gary Trent Jr. and, and Devin Vassell we talked about earlier. Uh, and he's also among the lead leaguer, leaders in, in turnovers. The bottom line for me, Brian, is like at the exact same time they needed Paul George to step it up with Kawhi missing time, he's gone the other way. Our friend Ohm had this eye-popping stat in his column that outside of a 140-point game in, in Sacramento in the second game of the year, Paul George has averaged 13.7 points and is shooting just 17 of 54 combined in his other four games. Um, this team, like you guys have already pointed out, is desperate for Kawhi to come back, but I worked for a team like that one time. It doesn't always work out. Yeah. Well, that team got at least a ring with him as finals MVP. So I think the Clippers would take that other side of it, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, now watch Paul have 38 tonight against the Rockets and we'll all look stupid, but it's early. But Kawhi um, won't be playing. It's early. It's early. I should have Kawhi said that. Kawhi won't be playing. Yeah. Um, so I want to look at two teams to who are playing each other tonight. So we acknowledge we don't know what happened in that game. The Warriors are at the heat. The Warriors are under 500. Okay, look, they're they're bona fide. I don't have to freak out about them. They've had a miserable Eastern road trip so far. They lost in Charlotte where they blew a four-point lead in the last minute of regulation, lost in overtime. And they went to Detroit and laid an absolute egg against a team that hasn't been very good at all this year. Lost to Detroit handily. Um Steve Kerr was complaining about their defense after the get the loss in Detroit. You know, again, I don't know what happened tonight, but and it's their defense is ranked 23. Well, they actually played Tuesday. They Tuesday, I thought it was tonight. Oh, no, good. Then this is all going to apply. Strike yeah. all that. I'm always getting things wrong, Spears. Thank you for having my back. Yeah. Um, Steve Kerr complained about their defense, and they are 23rd to start the week. But I also point out that they're not shooting the ball well. Um, they're now Steph is actually, uh, shooting the ball. Well, he's actually, his numbers are actually slightly up from last year. It's not a Steph thing, but clay has been in a, has not been able to hit a shot yet. Jordan pools numbers are, I think clay's down 10% from last year. Jordan pools numbers are down. Wiggins numbers are down. Um, their three point shooting, I think is in the bottom 10 in the league in percentage. And so, yeah, I'm sure Steve Kerr knows what he's talking about. I'm sure their defense is absolutely not where he wants it, but their offense, Kirk, is also not where they want it. And I'm, you know, they've played seven games, but still, it's worth pointing out they're they're under 500. I'm not worried on this one. I I, I think you kind of feel the same way. You're not worried about the yeah. Warriors. Well, eager eager to hear Spears, but I'll tell you, like I talked to a bunch of people around the team this offseason. We already alluded to the loss of Gary Payton. But one thing that one of these coaches told me is like, we're going to probably start pretty slow for a few reasons. Our, our, our guys are old. We just played through mid-June. They sent us to Japan in the preseason. We're tired. We're tired. <laughs> and like that shows Anything else up happened in the defense. preseason? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> well, I, bet, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, that, yeah. Hey, we'll leave that for Spears. I think. But yeah, if you have if you have tired legs, that shows up on defense, and that can show up shooting the basketball a little bit too, Bry. Uh, you know, of the underachievers that that we're going to talk about, I think 
you know, it's kind of a cop out to say I'm not worried about the Warriors, but I'm not. I, I, I really think if we're sitting here and they're under 500 in three weeks, I'll be very surprised. I think their defense will, will, will come come on. I think the shooting will come on. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know how they're going to do in this game against Miami. One of these teams is going to be really disappointed after it. Um, but again, I'm just not worried about Golden State this early. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's uh, I'm I'm very interested in um, you know their defense, which has been atrocious. Because um, you you mentioned offense, and I'm glad you did. But you know, they're second only to the Nets by hair in points allowed per game uh, entering Monday with 122 points a game. 29th uh in the league um their fouling has been bad uh their transition defense from that poor offense has been bad um they've ever they've allowed 125 points plus four times um the bench rotation has been in question because you know dante divincenzo um i'm i'm i always mess up these names man i'm I'm the worst you hit that one man I hit it. All I, right, all I, right. I, I let you roll on Gorgie Jang, but uh, Dante DiVincenzo, <laughs> you hit. Good job. I'm just calling him DD, DD, uh, Dante D. Yeah. He's been out. And so that's basically their backup shooting guard. He's been out. Clay Thompson was out against Detroit. He still is working on his conditioning. So the Warriors played two uh, two way guys uh, against Detroit and Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb, which teams aren't supposed to be playing two two-way guys ever, right? And they're playing them early in the season. James Wiseman's been up and down. I'm worried about his confidence a little bit. Steve Kerr sent him a text, try to get him up after the Charlotte game. Um, the Poole said this team needs to play with more urgency. And I think they got to remember, like, they're the champs again. There's a spotlight on them again. They're the mm-hmm. homecoming game again. Like, so... Teams are getting up for the Warriors in a way that they probably haven't gotten up for them in like two years. And so um, they have to remember that as well. Like everyone is going to be excited. I mean, they always have been now because they're a marquee franchise, but they're the champs. They they wear those shirts that say champs on the back. That's the game that mom wants to come to. Auntie wants to come to. You know, you, you get bugged about for tickets and people are excited. So and then tomorrow, they on Tuesday, they play Miami. Uh, they just beat them. Actually, Miami was their last win. It was a pretty impressive win. Miami's got off to a slow start. Um, so that that's a, a, a win that uh, both teams could probably use right now to, on Tuesday. All right, let's talk about Miami real quick. They're two and five. Eric Spolstra is getting snippy. Um, <laughs> there was a... Uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting about about their situation was um, um, you know, they decided to move Tyler Hero last year's sixth man of the year into the starting lineup this year, which Tyler said he wanted. And they gave him a $30 million a year contract. You could understand that that would be something that would happen. And that has not helped their team. The, the teams attack him. They're a team that likes to switch everything. So teams hunt him down. Um, they've had other issues um kind of offensively with kind of uh not moving the ball but they lost in sacramento they were out west for three or four games and they got just destroyed out there including losing in sacramento for the king's first win and hero had 34 in the game and um 
after the game, Spolstra was asked, like, what'd you think about Tyler on offense? You know, um, he said, um, you know, they said, what was it? It wasn't a winning effort. He said, that's the most important thing. And he really kind of wouldn't talk about um, Hero's offense too much because um, I think he's sort of frustrated with his defense. And I, 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 I wouldn't surprise me if they consider moving Hero back to the bench. They've, they've had Max Struess, who was their starter last year on the bench. Um, he's becoming off the bench. Um, so um, they just, they, you know, they have difficulty scoring. You know, that was a big thing about them as, as well as they did last year when they had to score in the half court, they really relied on Jimmy Butler who is doing well. Jimmy Butler is averaging 21, six and five and almost two steals and shooting 49% from the field and 44% from three. It ain't a Jimmy Butler problem. Um, Kyle Lowry is not shooting the ball well and not scoring the ball. Well, um, this is a team that might, might need to make a trade, uh, Kirk. I don't know. You know, I, I, I have immense respect for Eric Spolstrup. One of the absolute trademarks of his career is that he makes over and, and Mac and, uh, maximizes his team from start of the season to the finish. Um, and he is not afraid to make all kinds of changes, but all I'm going to tell you is, you know, Spears was talking about the Warriors playing two, two way guys in the rotation the other night in Sacramento. This is where, uh, Eric Spolstra was with his team and his rotation. He played Udonis Haslam in the first quarter in that game, <laughs> which you can take a whole bunch of different things away from as to what he was doing there. So um not going to freak out about the heat. Like I'm not freaking out about the warriors, but there's, some, you know, there's, there's a little bit of hero ball going on there. And I'm not just talking about Tyler. Cook. And Haslam of course hit like a nice 17 foot baseline jumper right away for us. Uh, for those of us who've been studying his unique shot chart for a decade now, it was nice to see him dust it off. Uh, you know what? If they win this Warriors game, it's going to be fine. Um, I, I have a lot of confidence in Eric Spolstra like you do. I think he'll find the solution. Um, I do think Tyler Harris is more impactful coming off the bench in sort of a modern-day Manu role where he's overqualified, but he gives them an additional weapon at the end of the first quarter, maybe to close games. Uh, and then he strengthens the defense because right now the thing that sticks out to me when you look at their numbers is they're below average on both sides of the basketball. That's not what we've come to expect from this team. Uh, and, and for me, like with the heat culture thing, like I expect their defense to be better than this. I, I, I don't expect at least 15 or 16 other NBA teams to brag about their defense when they're talking to the heat, uh, and especially with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and the defensive leadership so I think if they could come out of this Warriors game with a big national television victory, uh, the whole vibe changes, and we're right back to where we expect to be. If they lose it, I think it'll it'll take a little bit of time. Uh, I think this is just the the opportunity they need to write the cruise ship, and 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 no pun intended there. But I think they write the they, cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, good. Thank you. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I'm also not worried. And and the Warriors, they're coming in. They're beatable right now. I, I think this is just what the doctor ordered. You know, I'll go. I don't make a lot of predictions. I predict they win this game. Kirk um, Goldsberry locked <laughs> life lockdown pick of the week. Yeah, and then they they the whole vibe changes. I think they're going to be yeah. fine too. And then keep in mind that you know South Beach can be undefeated. Um, on but 
But the Warriors flew out from Detroit Sunday night, which I expected them to do. I, I, I'm sure they did. Respect to to I'm Motown, sure they I did. think they were they rushed to Miami, and they went to. Uh, don't ask me why I know this, but they probably players went to Club Live probably on Sunday night and saw uh, Kodak Black got their South Beach out of the way, and uh, I expect them not to trick or treat. Uh, in South Beach tonight. Well, here's sake, the other I thing. I, I, again, I don't know what the Warriors' travel plans are, but their game—they have an off day on Wednesday, and then Thursday they play the Magic. Yeah, I think they're getting a lot I'm of Miami sure, time right now. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they're going up to Orlando after the game Tuesday night. Either, no, so. no, 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 <laughs> no. Steve is going to have. Um, he's going to look like that. The white dude on Miami Vice. What was his name? Like by the <laughs> time Johnson. they get to Orlando, yeah, he's gonna have the Don Johnson uh, tan. Um, but with my <laughs> going going back to Miami, man. Um, Kyle Lowry's shooting. It's it's early, but he's he's not shooting the ball well. Has his lowest career percentage at this point, but it's early, right? Um, I was hoping we'd it- see Victor Oladipo by now. I don't think he's anywhere close. Yeah. And um, so I've been rooting for him. Yeah. They've put a, uh, they haven't put a timetable on it, but I was kind of led to believe that it it ain't happening. Anytime soon. Yeah. Which is sad, man. I've been, I've been rooting for him. I've been rooting for him. And I, do they give up at some point and fill that roster spot with somebody else? I don't know how much money. Well, he's I mean, making, the Heat uh, are the Heat are real good at playing the long game. Yeah, and you know they've always got you know a bunch of plates spinning, and they're always developing guys. I mean, um, uh, you know, don't write, don't don't close any doors for the Miami Heat. You know, that's that's their specialty. Yeah, well, what's up with Duncan Robinson, man? Can we dust him off? You know, it's one of those things. His his three point shooting is. Feast or famine, and it's been famine for like a year. Um, he has moments. I was just so looking at his one of the great things with his stats is you could look at his three point percentage and his field goal percentage right now, and they're the exact same because <laughs> that's all he's shooting. The dude does not, <laughs> he dude does not go inside the arc. He's like Steve Novak, as a, yeah. as if you remember that guy. He's just all three. Right? Yeah, but he's got an $80 million contract. Steve Novak never had 80. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before we go, Kirk, I know you wanted to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. They are playing tonight. Um, I think they're playing tonight against the Pacers. Yeah, grudge match um, against the Pacers. Yeah. Um, Pacers, three and four coming into this game. We talked about Ben Matherin last week, and then he put up 32. How about that for a podcast reward? Um, well, let me get Spears I, with a quick trivia question, Brian. Oh, Spears. we don't usually do trivia on Tuesday. Here we go. Put you on go. the spot. Oh, let me drink trivia. some water first. Let me get some water. All right, I'll All right, set go it ahead. up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Who who has the best offense in the NBA, Spears? Statistically, now. Ooh. Um. Pacers. No, it is the Dallas Mavericks. It's been uh, the Mavericks for like years. One hundred nineteen points. How much are they giving up? Yeah, but A here's lot. the thing. Who has the best offense in the NBA? It's actually who's ever playing the Brooklyn Nets because they're giving yeah. up 121.6 oh. points yeah. per 100. Uh, <laughs> essentially, anybody who who plays against them turns into a, an offensive juggernaut. They've given up 125 or more points in four of their first six, and their only win came when they held the Raptors. See, see, and that's why I didn't do well on the SAT. 
because I like I I look <laughs> at a trick, trick question, question yeah and I thought since you were talking about the Pacers I just threw them out I got excited and 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 you're like Excuse a magician me. I was looking at your hand well, but you had I know you're talking to somebody on. who went to Harvard and has a PhD yeah but Spears you have a graduate degree sir yes so right. you want you know just with well, all these maybe, maybe he just watched the Pacers put one twenty five on the Nets I mean, the other night. It's like man, I, these I, guys I, look great. I went with the trick question, man. I went with the trick. <laughs> I got. I went back to my eighteen year old self and messed up again. Well, I just wanted to add one thing on that front on the Nets, Spears. These everybody. I've been killing the Lakers for not having shooting on on my social media and an article on our website, but dude. Brooklyn doesn't have rebounding. This is the worst rebounding team in the league, and it's one of the reasons of the worst defense in the league right now. Are they the Honestly. lightest? This is an odd stat. Yeah. I'm going to push you stat-wise now. Yeah. Are they the lightest team in the league? <laughs> they got to be because when is I was there, looking is there a, can you like is that? Can you look that up? Can you look up weight? I can't. Like they I, have I, to be the lightest game. team in the league. Well, when you have Durant and, and Claxton, Nick Claxton out there, yeah. you got two string beams. And Ben Simmons is playing sort of the the power forward center role. He's 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 not light, but there's no there's no DeAndre Jordan. You know, there's no yeah. there's no. I think big they're still guy. cutting them checks, aren't they? But no, he's <laughs> yeah, but dude, the, their opponents are getting thirty six percent of their own missed shots. Uh, that's Brooklyn's that's not good. That sounds very bad when 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 you don't rebound one out of three of the misses you force. Sounds dude. bad. In that bad loss against the Pacers, Jalen Smith, who I love, is averaging less Sticks. than you know. He's a, he's a nice rebounder. I mean, his nickname had- is is his nickname is Sticks. It's not Sticks because he's bulky, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he had seven offensive rebounds. The Nets had six, Jeez. and it's just like the, they're giving up more threes than anybody in the league. Everywhere you look, the defensive indicators point to a disaster in Brooklyn. And the thing I told Brian earlier is that. To their credit, they have one of the best groups of shooting talent the league has ever seen. That might sound yeah. like an exaggeration, but they have obviously. Seth hasn't Katie, really played Kyrie. yet, right? Seth hasn't Seth, played. He just came, he Joe just Harris, Patty Mills. Talk about a team that Kyrie, might be able to make a trade. KD. Yeah. Can they trade? They need a lot. They need a trade. Defense, they need though, a hug. <laughs> they need a, you know what I mean? They, they need, need a some education. PR manager. Oh, man. It's just. It's, it's, um, and it so shouldn't be a point, tough day like that there, but it's a tough day. So we'll day see. The, the, watch, they'll probably make like, you know, 64% of their threes tonight, but their three-point shooting percentage is currently 25th. But that's crazy so, for this group. That, that well, you you had a you had an idea, Kirk. You, you you know if they if they called you for consultancy, which you should charge <laughs> Josiah a huge amount of money for, you had a yeah. you had a concept for them. Do you want well, to share think- that or no? You know, two of the definitive players of modern basketball are Kevin Durant and and LeBron James, and their teams are sort of together in this massive team-building failures, it looks like right now. And one concept I had is if they just got together and pooled their 30 players, said, there's two good basketball teams in here. (laughs) Let's just mix and match the parts. Could we build two good playoff teams? Could I host the summit in Omaha? Yeah. I could host the summit. And they could, I could just, you know, give them a whiteboard and like magnetic players and just have them work it out. Yeah. You got the Caddy guys on one side, you got Palenka, you got my friend, Sean Marks, you got two whiteboards. Let's figure this out. Right. Right. Spears. Do you think we can build two good teams out of these 30 dudes? Could you, if if you were the Nets, 
and call me crazy. Would you revisit the Kyrie for a rust trade? Just to move on. I think I mean I don't think the Nets advance. I don't think I mean just to move on. Just to just you know, because you'll clear Russ's salary. Russ will be interjected to play there. Like, just to move on, man. Maybe you could get them to give you the picks. I don't think it helps their defense. So, uh, I mean, no, I'm know, just talking Kirk's, about Kirk's just point to, is that the, the Lakers are DFL on offense and great defense. The Nets are DFL on defense. Their offense isn't great, but in theory, should improve. I, I'm just saying, do the Nets just need to move right on? I'm not even talking about the basketball aspect. I'm, do they just need to just cut bait and move on? Would the team well, be would, better? I mean, would, I mean, would it change? You're asking a philosophical question, and I'm always going to be tugged back to the actual trade situation. And I think Russ makes $12 million more than than uh than Kyrie and so the trade it would destroy the the nets from a luxury tax standpoint so that like there would have to be other pieces and parts and how do you pay for that differential and you know with Kyrie you're, the Lakers are getting a player that they would want to keep probably I mean whereas the nets would get a player that, that you know that even if I they would think keep, they're at be, the point in no return man it's a bad marriage it's bad marriage. Well, Russ has played better the last couple of games. Like they moved, they finally moved him to the bench. I yeah. mean, I would have moved him to the bench like a year ago. And I guess yeah. it, you know, I mean, so they, you're in saying my if mind, you're the Lakers, you don't do nothing. Huh? No, I mean the Lakers. I still do Indiana from them. Here's the thing. I don't I I've talked about this before. The Lakers can't do a trade that only incrementally improves them with their picks. And like you Miles think, Turner, you, you don't think that it that helps? I think that does, a but no. Well, well, let me ask you this, Kirk. What do you think? If they got Buddy Healed, let's forget about the picks. If they got Buddy Healed and Miles Turner, are they seventh place? Yeah, that's that's the right question. And and then is that enough to give up two more first round picks? I think the other thing that if I'm the Lakers, I'm just waiting a little bit longer as teams like the Jazz or the Spurs or the Magic or whoever else fall, finally starts falling in the standings, more of these options are going to open up. The, the market will become better for you as a, as a, as a trade partner. Uh, and so I think it's too early for that move right now because here, there are teams the that we talked about in this podcast that aren't trading pieces, but in three months they might be trading pieces. But don't you, you guys love – this is what I love about the Indiana trade. You get a, sh- a great shooter, which they desperately need. Desperate. And, and you saw like AD holding his back yesterday. If you get Miles Turner in, who had like 17 and 11 the other day, I think, or I'm, I'm probably downplaying what he had. Um, when AD doesn't play, now you got somebody that can come in and, and hold down the fort until he gets back. Like they have no, but like the, the dude isn't going to play 82 games, man. So at least you well, have somebody in there that could. Buddy Heald is shooting 45% on nine attempts a game. I mean, <laughs> I, the entire, I don't know if the Lakers could produce a, a shooter like that if they like 
built like the bionic man with the pieces and parts they had on their roster. I, I, I mean, that's how, but I will I mean, say in this. The end, if you're the Lakers, like this isn't the jazz, this isn't San Antonio, this isn't Minnesota. Like you're always going to get free agents. I don't, I don't think draft picks are as valuable. That's for them as they are for most franchise. Probably generally, I agree with you Spears, but I also think that that trade ain't enough. It's for the Lakers. It doesn't move the needle enough, Um, but you're right. Like Anthony, Anthony Davis did not hurt his back dunking in Denver. His back was bothering him in the preseason. And And if he's hurting like this now, like we just got started. <laughs> Listen, I, I remember when uh well I'm not even gonna compare that. Anthony Anthony Davis, that back is worrisome. I don't have any inside information, but I'm just saying yeah. it didn't start hurting there. And also, as long as we're talking about the Nets, uh Ben Simmons was moved to questionable tonight with a sore knee. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to some scouts who have watched him play, and they just don't think he's moving well. Like they thought it might be his back that's bothering him because you know you really can't always tell when a play, you know, you're just sort of guessing what if a guy's back is bothering him because you know he had the offseason surgery. Now it sounds that like it's it may maybe it's his back too, but now it sounds like he's got a knee issue. And look, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's just an inflammation and he'll be okay in a couple of days. But like, you know, as you're evaluating where these teams are going, you know couple of their most important players are already dealing with worrisome injuries. And so yeah. that's, you know, so your point is correct, Spears. Yeah. The Turner who on Woj's pod, I'm never sure. I've, I'm not sure I've ever heard a guy <laughs> campaign to get somebody was like, is this tampering? You can't it's like tamper with yourself. out of a movie, right? Yeah. Right. Like, you can't yeah. tamper with yourself. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> trade me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, was that like an official save Pittsburgh? Did the guy decide to say trade me or something like that? Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't like the Pacers, like, have a, like, the Pacers are kind of, kind of like half tanking and they're kind of overachieving a little bit. And Matherin looks great and Halliburton looks great. I don't think they're, I don't think there's, I they want to make that trade, I think. Yeah. Oh, so I definitely. think they're like, yeah. go ahead, Miles. You know, yeah, you want to, you want to wear a Lakers, you know, shooting shirt before the game, you know, go ahead, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, we'll yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I believe, and I said this, I've said this on a couple of platforms. I don't know, because I kind of have been trying to not talk about the Lakers. I think the Lakers will stabilize the, you know, they had a good shooting night on Sunday, but now that Russ is out of the starting lineup and they're actually making lineup decisions that better fit their team, and their three-point shooting is poor, but it is not as poor as they showed their first five games. That will so I think they'll actually stabilize here, but I think they're I think finding their level is still probably borderline play-in. And I yeah. think the Nets will get better too. Shorter will help too. A little, yeah. yeah. I mean, but he's not coming back, you know. That's a that's a average 23, 24 missed games on historically on that, according to Jeff Stotts. I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. Um, and the Nets, you know, should get better. They're not this bad. However, when your defense is this poor, it's not like, oh, it's all of it going to sudden turn around and be average at midseason. I mean, it's. They got some mental stuff there, man. They, they got, got some... a lot going on with that team. So, uh, all right, this is a great conversation. Sorry, it went a little long. I'm going to get a note from somebody saying, why is that so long? Thank you to, to Mr. Spears and Mr. Goldsberry. Thank you. 
to Bruce and Jackson, our producers. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be back in touch with you with the Timothys later this week. Mm-hmm.